Listening to Cannabis Corner on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, broadcasting live from downtown New Haven. We are streaming live on TuneIn Radio and NewHavenIndependent.org. We're also streaming live video on Facebook. Just go to Facebook.com slash New Haven Independent or go to your Facebook page and look us up. You can also hit see first to hear and see all the great programs that we have here on WNHHLP. And Cannabis Corner is also streaming live on ProCannabisMedia.com and Greenhaven Media Facebook page. So you can find us all over the web. Okay, it is Monday, April the 3rd, one week before Easter. Uh, 2023. I am your host, Joe Lachance. I am joined by my illustrious co-host, Mr. Louis Vega. Uncle Lou, how are oh, you today? You keep saying illustrious. I don't know about all that. I'm I'm just the guy who plays in the dirt. You are illustrious. You made it to the newspapers again. <laughs> yes, cannabis about uh the Grove facility in Puerto Rico. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I thought that was a secret, but I guess it's out now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's exciting. It is exciting. It is. I actually, I am now a resident of Bayamon. So, well, when am I coming <laughs> over to visit your house in Bayamon? <laughs> <laughs> so, I am now a resident of Bayamon. Um, very excited. I took a. As we continue to push this, that was um, I lost your voice. We lost you there. And there oh, you God. are. You're back. So, yeah. So the biggest thing was just, you know, supporting Jason in his space. But we ended up you know, under the same idea, I was like, you know what? The same way, well, let's just jump at it. And this is my homeland too. I'm very excited. Jason has been a big part of all of it, and um, he will be involved hopefully in the in the future for what we got going on as well. But the biggest part of that is that I'm doing something now, and those connections were some with some old uh, friends from actually Brooklyn. A very good old dear friend of mine is goes by Emmanuel and Manny. He um. Uh, which here we'll go full circle with it, which is exciting because Eve was actually part of some of this as well with the THC group in Puerto Rico who does 3D printing. Right. Um, so they've been making 3D print objects for the market as well as doing the NFT space and the cannabis space and doing it all out of Puerto Rico. So, nice. um, yeah, so really excited about that. And that's where it kind of been pushing for the last two years. I met them at MJ BizCon two and a half years ago. And then I was like, wait a second, you guys are really cool. We're doing things. 
And then they said, you know, we actually, you know, we got told about you by one of our investors. And I said, wait a second, who's your investor? And it turned out that one Merit. of the investors, which is no, 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 my good friend, Manny, oh, very okay. good friend, who did very well. He flipped three dispensaries in, um, in Puerto Rico. So he got the license. He flipped three. He has a cultivation facility as well. Um, he does real estate and uh, owns a bunch of bodegas. So excellent. your friends, oh. you know, they say that your friends from the past, usually if you're, if you're all still friends, you know, you still, you want to do business with each other in the future, you know? So that's what ended up happening. Um, old friends from the neighborhood back in Brooklyn and now doing business with each other in Puerto Rico. So well, it's very pretty good. cool. Yeah, yeah. Like tomorrow. And these are the old friendships that everybody has. You know, some people have these friends they haven't talked to in ages. Tomorrow I'm going up to Worcester, 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 um, however, or wherever you're from and however you want to say it. Because we know that that's one of those funny ones up in Massachusetts. Um, but Worcester, I'm going to a salsa class that is going, oh. that is run by, run by a guy who was my neighbor back in the neighborhood when I was a kid. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So where we were friends when I was 10 years old, now that I'm 40 years old, well, 30 years later, we'll smoke a joint and do some salsa classes. So at Very his dance good. studio. Very good. Well, yeah, that's so, exciting news, Lou. I'm excited yeah. to have you to back down here in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Obviously, you know, you got somebody here already. So we got you, brother. I'm and ready to roll. I, well, and we're doing yep. this. I spoke so, and, to Jason and the, when he was idea, here. Yep. And the idea is, you know, we can do Connecticut and we will focus on Connecticut and then we'll be able to do some things for our families back home. Because the biggest part of all of this is that we need to empower our communities and what better way to put an impact from the cannabis industry to the to the island but to do some business out there as well and make absolutely sure that, make sure that the community has well-paying jobs just similar to like we'll be doing out here excellent so, lou i'm so yeah. happy to hear it um i'm so happy uh, you know obviously i love puerto rico so <laughs> you don't have to tell me anymore uh, I'm very excited for you, and I'm uh, I'm really, really, really looking forward to that. So, uh, speaking of community and uh, contributing to the community, uh, we have a couple good uh, guests on today. Uh, both are doing events out there in the community to support the community. So, uh, I wanted to bring Kamora Harrington on. Kamora, are you there? Kamora. Yep, I am here. What's up, Joe? Yeah, how are you doing? I, mean, I see you there. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's Monday afternoon. So, you know. So with Monday. us right now, we have Kamora Harrington and Kamora runs Kamora's cultural community up there in New Haven. We've had her on the show many, many times, and she does a lot of great work out there in the community. And you have an event coming up on April 22nd, that I think is very, very important that we want to talk about. You have a couple of things coming up. Um, so tell us a little bit about what's going on because it is spring and I'm sure now things are getting a little more active up there. Yeah, uh, people, people are coming outside. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on. Okay. So um, on the April 21st, so you had information about the Heritage Dinner. We were going to do our Heritage Dinner that night, 
Um, but we've rescheduled that because Corey Booker um, is coming to Connecticut and he'll be here in Hartford that night. So his audience, our audience, they kind of coincide. So we've turned that into our thinking and doing day. So I think, you know, um, our organization is a community-based organization that does a lot of thinking and a lot of doing and a lot of bringing community together. So that day, that's what saying, that morning we're doing a Narcan training. Um, so from 1030 to noon, we're doing that. If you remember Aaron Doolittle and I, we yes. partnered last month and we did an Narcan training. So we're doing it again with our um, volunteers. And then later on that afternoon, we're going to do just a big community conversation that's going to continue the conversation about the need for Narcan training and why we need that. And again, talking about all the feelings people have around it. So the 22nd is a big thinking and doing volunteer get together learning day. Oh, okay. All right. So that sounds good. And that is on April 21st. 21st, Yep. Okay. So the day after 420, that's a Friday night. Now, um, now that the, the labyrinth is probably opened up again, are you going to be doing any labyrinth walks? Yep. So those are starting. Those are, uh, people are scheduling their own one-on-ones. The space is always open. So if anyone wants to go, they can. But our first big labyrinth walk, um, our first big lifted labyrinth event is going to be May 21st. And that is during the, the cannabis conference and the uh, MECAN that is coming to Connecticut. Um, and so they're coming to bring to these cannabis conventions are kind of awesome. Like like everyone from every different aspect of the work and community is coming in. So that's going to be here in Connecticut for two days. So we figured we would take the evening of the first day and do a nighttime lifted labyrinth event so people can come walk the labyrinth. People who met each other at the conference can come continue having those conversations. Um, but that, that's our first outdoor cannabis labyrinth event. Oh, nice. Very, yeah. very good. And you guys will be at NECAN. Um, mm-hmm. You have a booth there with, with Aaron, right? Yep. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, so that'll be great. That'll be very, very good. Um so now I don't know if you've been keeping up with the um, different cannabis bills out there, but I see that Bill 6787 did pass through committee, yeah, which is the expungement bill, correct? Yes. So, and yeah, now it's time for our activists to continue to be out there making sure that it happens and making sure that our family that's locked up knows what it's what how that works um make sure that our parole officers know that it happens make sure that our family who is out here on the outside but is still in some way connected to the system knows what that is and how it works as we wait out of that as we, so uh i i personally think that it will pass uh i think it does have bipartisan support which is kind of unusual for for these days. Uh, so I think that's a good thing. I know a lot of the legislators are saying, well, didn't we already do this? And then they sent out a letter that said, you know, we're going to continue the process. So we don't know if we need this bill, but I got to hand it to the activists um, who kept going and pushing forward and testified the other day and actually got the committee to pass it. So it will, now we just have to get them to call it to the floor. You know. It's a big one, Joe. And this is something I know we, we it, it is a big one because the law that went in place was for the future and it wasn't retroactive. It wasn't taking care of the individuals that were actually going into the process. In all honesty, it actually set the timeline at which it cut it off. You know right. what I mean? You can't anything that was five years before that that time frame was not allowed. 
So right. now to enact two years. So where where is the where's the right for those that were going through it and those that are going through it now still? Because there are still people that are incarcerated that could 100 percent have a sentence reduction based on the new laws. You know, yeah, maybe they're in there for something else and other things because they don't ever when they come after you. And this is firsthand because I don't just have cannabis convictions. I have other convictions on top of it that they made sure to get in there that aren't going to be expunged, that aren't going to be out of it. You know what I mean? Like right. the 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 I have a conviction for a drug processing lab and that sounds horrible. Like that literally sounds horrible. But what was it? It was it was literally me taking flour and making joints, me taking right. flour and, and making apes like I got convicted of it. So it's not like I'm sharing something that I didn't do, but like I got hemmed up and they made sure there were other charges that won't be. You know what I mean? They always throw risk and endangerment to people. They always throw all the extra ones. And those are the things that didn't get looked at. And that's what this bill hopes to address, at least that there's some type of sentencing um, restructuring or people that like myself, I literally just got off of parole and probation for different things. And, you know, if it was still going, I'd be looking for my brief a restructuring of my custody to the state. So I think right. that if I was there and I am there and I can't be the only one in the state going through it. So firsthand that law needs to pass so that we can, and it's going to, it's going to trigger a lot of work. That's what people are probably scared. Well, of that, That's what that letter said. Yes. That, we have to go through them by hand. You know, we have to look through them all because back in the day we didn't, we didn't uh, separate cannabis. You know, they just put it all under controlled substance. You're and right. back in the day, we were still fighting about that. It's cannabis, not controlled substance. Why don't you separate it for cannabis? Right. We were yelling that's what that they did with the mine. Days. That's how mine right. was a controlled substance, even though there was cannabis and other substance. But yeah. they lumped it all into one. And I got the drug factory thing, too, myself. Now. That's a question I did want to ask both of you. Will felonies, like we're talking, okay, yeah. people are still in jail, but there are people who have been carrying felonies for a long time for this stuff, and those felonies should be expunged as well. Do you not agree? I think that the felony should be at least readdressed and then put into the places that they are because the rules are different now. So if somebody ended up taking a deal where they got five years where it could have been pled down to because that's what they were coming after me. They wanted to give me eight years straight up. They were like, you're going to get one felony for eight years. I was like, that ain't happening. I will fight you and fight you and fight you. Why? Because as a good drug dealer, I saved money. You know what I mean? That's one thing a lot of the newer generation. I don't think that they even understand that. You better make sure you have a hundred. If you want to do this big dog style. You better have a hundred grand hidden in a shoebox that nobody knows about because that's your legal fund or you're yeah. paying a lawyer the whole time every week. Yeah, you you're not paying taxes. So make sure you pay your taxes into a lawyer so that that lawyer got your back when it comes down to it. Right. You know what I mean? It's everybody hard. should have a it's lawyer. So on retainer. Everybody was, should. Have yes. Yep. Even if, you know, no matter what. You need to have that lawyer on retainer. And Lewis, you just you just hit exactly myself. So. Does every last felony out there need to be looked at? Yes, because there's the wonderful way that they pile everything on and they piled everything on. And today we're finding folks having 
conversation. It's like, oh, but you know, it's way too complicated. We'd have to go through too much manpower, the whole thing. And we as a community and people need to make it quite clear that all of that manpower and all of that time is necessary and needs to happen. Um, Lou, you do a great job talking. You have no problem talking about yourself and your past. And quite a few people, like we're seeing a bunch of people out here in the activism worlds who do, who do that, but there's still a whole bunch of people who don't feel safe enough or comfortable enough talking about, hey, this is, you know, so supposedly I'm in jail for this, but it's all of this stuff. So does it possibly fit into this cannabis thing? Should I possibly have my, my stuff sponged here? We need to make space for all of those conversations to happen. And Lou, when you're talking about um, that money in a cardboard box, that money in a shoebox, our lifted labyrinths, one of the things that we do there is we talk about all of those feelings. So how do we talk about what this is? How do we get that information down to our young people? When we talk about how the drug war affected us all, many of our young people don't know that many black single mothers, brown single mothers, single mothers living inside of the city, because we held those shoe boxes filled with cash for the drug dealers when shit went wrong, then our rent was paid. And that was how the drug war affected. You know, there are all these interesting things that legislation is necessary. Um, we need to keep pushing the legislation. And then before, during, and after legislation happens, we need to keep talking about what it feels like in the weird places of a minutia that's annoying for anyone working at the state house to figure out how to go through every conviction with a fine tooth, tooth comb. But we need to make it clear that every single conviction needs to be gone over with a fine tooth comb. And as a state, we definitely do have the money to do that and the man in the time. Especially now oh, with the do, cannabis money coming in. The cannabis You're money is going to be coming right. in. You know, this is where conversations are so uncomfortable, you know, because people don't feel it. And I and as comfortable as I am talking about these things, because it is history, it is what it is. We went through it. My parents still don't feel comfortable when I sh share certain things. And this is something that that stigma. My parents aren't very much older than me. They were 15 when they had me. So my father's 55. You know what I mean? My mother's 55. I'm 40. So that we're in the same generation, ultimately. So it makes it really tough. Like, I know when I went to college, I'm from the hood. We didn't have that. But I'm also second generation. Got to do what the fuck you got to do to make it, you know. Whoa. So, you you know, <laughs> you just you just push forward and you push it and push it and push it. But like my first semester, I went to a private college university that nobody in my entire community ever knew about or how to get into or whatever. And how did I pay for it my first year? My father took a drive down to go see my Cuban uncles in Miami and drove a truck back up with some stuff that ended up someplace else. And the truck was good. And my father came home and handed me a wad of money and said, put this in this money belt. Take the train up to the school. I paid for your first semester. Don't mess it up. Don't do what I have to do to supply for ourselves because you don't need to. And then my dumbness went and did the same thing with a college degree because we end up getting forced into that arena because the same problems happen generationally. My father, I, I did my first taxes when I was 18 years old and I made 50 grand as a bartender, you know? And my father was like, you know, you made more than me and your mother ever this year. I still made, I made 50,000 this year with, with your mom. And this is years. I'm, an, I'm a young adult at this time. Ten years later, I put my career in. I'm hustling. I got an actual job. My parents are looking at me like, you do know you make three times as much as I do, and you're still hustling. I thought I put you out of that. Then I get arrested. Right. You know what I mean? 
your perspective a lot of times is, is only from where you come from and being second generation as much as I wanted to be like, oh, no, we don't do this, but you end up in the position. So I don't shame anybody for what they got to do right now. And I appreciate any opportunity to speak to any young man or woman who's doing what they got to right now in the space that they got to. I'm the first person to say, go ahead and grow your own weed. And I'm, I'm going to hopefully be one of the largest cultivators in the state. I don't believe that home cultivation is going to d- diminish the marketplace. No, you know what I mean? I'm somebody who goes around and gives away free clones. I'm like, grow it. Like, right. And when it's done, come smoke it with me so that we can see how good it was. Because I'm excited to see what you put together. Right. And from that, we find people who are like, hey, I don't want to grow. But you had a chance to. And it didn't really cost you too much extra. You got the opportunity. And now you know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that, as Kimura said, you know, my wife, my ex-wife, my mother, my grandmother were all women who understood if they had a box, their rent was taken care of. They were in it, but not in it. Plausible deniability. Oh, I don't know what goes on behind that door because you maintain that because the separation is so necessary that it ruins relationships, but makes you the tightest. Now... We all understand that these are trauma bonds, but what do you know? And then we, I also joke about it, but it's not a joke. But when you're in survival mode in the hood, pushing through what you got to do, no matter how glorious it looks or doesn't look glorious or whatever, any way goes, we never had the luxury to say, I'm just going to stay in bed. Mm-hmm. So whatever feelings we had, we had to literally suck them up. And people are doing that to this day. There are individuals in the inner city that don't have access to any type of mental health stability that they can go to at an easy thing because this is this is as we joked about it this was a rich man's luxury you're gonna go talk to a therapist that's a rich man's luxury what do you mean i don't got time for that i gotta go to work i got bills to pay you really want to know about depression you're gonna be on the street with nothing then you would really be depressed then you got all the time you want to talk to people but me i gotta go to work and that's right. that that's drilled into our individuals into my brother my sister my the people that are around me, the people that work with me. And if Kamora didn't just bring that up, like that is such a huge, huge thing. And I really appreciate you bringing that up. Thanks. In in the last year, I've been fascinated. You know, I love bringing different people together. But in the last three years, I've noticed that there are drug dealers, potheads, and lawyers who continue to, around this subject, not realize that they're coming from three very, very, very different places. And as we figure out how, like, how, how to navigate this and how to do the work and what it looks like, I get that if I'm a lawyer, I'm thinking that spending the time to really comb through everything that, that's happening here is like, that's just in the weeds, wasting too much time. But again, I'm, thank you for bringing up your mother and aunts and those women, because I'm, I know, I know big powerhouse women who are drug dealers. So I'm in no way trying to say that only men were drug dealers and women were all victims of the game in a different way. But our relationship when it comes to how we step into this, when it comes to how we are willing to talk to prosecutors and lawyers, et cetera, comes like we are grimy for no reason other than the outside world told us we are grimy. And now I've got to figure out how to navigate and how to how to not be grimy, how to navigate through a world that's now legal that we still have all of these feelings about. Right. It's tough. It's tough, but it's, and it's a long process and it's good. It's good that people like you, Kimora, hold these discussions at your place. 
Um, so, you know, I want to thank you again for all the work you do in the community and all the work you will continue to do. Um, our other guest is on now, and you're welcome to stay and join the discussion if you want. But real quick, uh, tell us how people can get in touch with you about your events, uh, April 21st and May 21st. And, uh, you know, where's the best place to get a hold of you and get involved? Yeah, let's see. So website, if you're old and boring, www.amoresculturalcorner.com. That's where the information about the, the actual education is. You can find us on social media. Again, Kamora's Cultural Corner. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, we're on Twitter as Kamora's C. Um, you can find us in those places. And the events are almost always on Eventbrite. So right now, the Eventbrite, we were supposed to have that dinner. That Eventbrite link doesn't work. But our thinking and doing days. Um, and know that as the cannabis events are getting ready to start, we are a membership dues-paying organization. But if you come volunteer with us, you're a member. So you don't have to pay. So on the 20... on May 22nd, I'm sorry, on April 22nd, when we're doing the Narcan training and the community conversation, come learn how to administer Narcan, come get your Narcan, and then you get your membership, and then you can come to all the rest of our events. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's good. That's a great way to get your membership. Just participate in one of the the great events that you got up there. All right. Very, very good, Kamora. Thank you for coming on. We look forward to seeing you at NECAN. Like I said, hang around and stick around if you want. Um, but, uh, it was great talking to you as usual. And again, thanks again for everything you do. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon. Thank you. Yes. All right. Right now with us on the line from the hippie chick natural solutions, we have Cody Reeves and Cody is here to talk about their fifth annual community egg hunt. And that's hosted by Janet McAllister, our good friend from, uh, hippie chick. And Cody Reeves, uh, it's free. It's a free to the public event in Central Maine, promoting outreach and support to the local community. Located within an indoor soccer arena, it's an it's and it's adjoining football and baseball field. The community egg hunt hopes to bolster more than five hundred kids and their families for a day of raffle, egg filled toys, entertainment, and so much more. Through the donation of local communities and an amazing network of cannabis and hemp professionals, they've been able to raise money for over eight thousand filled eggs, thousands in gift cards and raffle prizes, and a plethora of face paints, bubbles, photo booth, and even their own Peter and Jenny Rabbits. This year, the event will be held April 8th from 11 to 4, and the Facebook page is linked up on all of our social media. So, Cody, how are you today? How about yourself today, buddy? Very, very good. What's going on in Maine? Oh boy, we're getting ready. It's our annual push towards Easter. So all hands on Easter. I all but have all my hands on deck. <laughs> all hands on deck, good sir. It's uh it's gonna be a good one. Weather's looking good for us, everything's looking good, so we're super excited. This is one of our uh, well, it is our biggest year ever, so we're we're just tickled to be seen. It seems like, I mean, we usually have you guys on every year right before the egg hunt because I always want to give you guys some shine. Same time. And I was like, that's too funny. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And, and every year it seems that it's growing and growing and growing. Like last year, I know, was a big one, too. And, and now this year seems to be even bigger. 
Yes, last year was our biggest jump in numbers, which really forced a big, broader change on our part. Hence why we've moved to the indoor soccer arena. Um, last year, we were pushing the limits of three large, almost football fields, but they were just generic fields in you know central Maine. Um, this year, there's no way. We had literally, we, we, we expect somewhere between 500 kids plus their adults. So we, we may have somewhere around 1,500 people for this event. Um, so we've moved it to our local community. It's got a nice uh, private academy. They have a generous donated uh, big indoor soccer arena field house that will be hosting ours in. We have the adjoining football field and baseball field to hide eggs in. And we're going to go spread 8,000 eggs across half an acre and have a blast. We have Ginny and uh, Peter Rabbit. Uh, we finally have our own full-size costume bunnies, um, very much to the likings of the kids. Um, we have grown so much. We have photo booth opportunities for people to take their own photos with their kids and send out Easter photos with a beautiful backdrop and props and stuff, and it's all assisted. We have an amazing network of community people coming out to help support and donate and just give their time, help us spread these thousands of eggs and help us in turn pick up probably 8,000 Easter egg shells. But, you know, kids are kids. That's why we do this. Um, right. And it's it is the season. So we're, we're gearing up for an exciting for an exciting time. Um, we've really had an amazing amount of support this year. Um, one of the first things I want to do is think that really the cannabis and hip network. That's why I put it in there so broadly. They have been wonderful to support us. I mean, people from out of state, um, people from up and down the coast. Uh, we've got friends in Florida and Puerto Rico um, in this community who have been helping and donating. They have absolutely nothing to do with this. It's been pretty, pretty amazing. So bravo to our community. Um, this was, they gave almost as much effort as my local business community did. And that's saying a whole lot. So this I really is want to, Hey, yeah, Joe, you know, Cody, you guys, you guys really, really did change. I don't want to say change the game, but you put such an emphasis on the community, your local community, that it's inspiring. You guys are now grown this event to such a magnitude. And it's literally just one huge good deed. And if yeah. this is not, and that's what I want everybody, like, this is one just huge good deed. You guys are taking nothing out of it other than the smiles you're putting on people's faces. Everything that went in goes out, plus even more that you guys put into it. You guys, oh. this is something that everyone should be super proud and thankful for to you guys for the amount of work that you put into this and the smiles that you put on all of our children's faces. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Anyone, this was, it's not an easy feat. It's one that we had hoped grown and it, we are so proud of where it's become, but it's by no means easy. We've had our little boutique shop for closed for every bit of two months now because it's filled with eggs and costumes and face paintings. And I've got a four foot tall stuffed giraffe in my office right now. Um, so life kind of comes to a halt for this for us to a degree, but it's you do it once and you don't know how you'll ever not do it again. The smiles, the people, the appreciation. And there was just such a need. Um, we were happy to do it and we felt it was just a good thing to do without, you know, associating the business. Um, it's a way for people to get out, but people locally know us and know what we do for a living and they know the support we get from the outside communities and whatnot. And it's sort of ease transition. I, I'd like to tell everybody that any bit of local help you can do in donating really shifts the eyes. View well, that's, on our 
That's kind of what I wanted to bring up. Now, what what's really amazing and what is important about this event is the fact you mentioned it earlier, that not only is your business itself uh, basically a cannabis business, but you got donations from the entire, you know, the cannabis uh, industry at large yourself, like you said, from all over the country. And you merged it with local businesses. So this is the local community. You're going out in the local community as a cannabis business with support from the cannabis industry and kind of taking huge, huge steps in breaking that stigma. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what's really, really important. And our other guest that we had on earlier does the same thing. Like it's so important that the cannabis industry and people in the industry go out there and do good things for the community, regardless of whether you keep it DL or not. And we are proof in the pudding that it does work. Um, our first year, I'm not going to call any names or anything, but our, our town was it was real skeptical. It didn't want it to happen. Um, we had almost next to no support out of the cannabis industry. We had to sort of self provide for this and kind of rely on our friends to do this for the first couple of years. And as it's grown, I mean, the doors and the walls that have fallen down around us have been impeccable to the point now we're in a private school academy. I'm hosting this event uh, with, you know, right. no, no marketing on our behalf and whatnot. That's not what this is about, but they know damn well who's supporting and funding this thing. And um, they know that we are there for the right reasons and that this was never, you know, that we, we too are active members of our community. And I, I just don't think that they were accustomed to that for generations. We've been blackballed and hidden in the woods and up in the hills and, we weren't allowed to play with normal kids. Now, I feel it's more important than ever to kind of get out there and do. We've got there's no shortage of need in any town. You know, we're we're doing this on a central main level. We're inviting towns as far as 50 miles and 60 miles away from us. I have people coming from Massachusetts, New Hampshire. There's just such a need. Um, so I, I hope this does. I hope this kind of helps out and kind of gets people the ball rolling for other folks. Um, right. We've had, Beautiful companies reach out to us and ask us about how we do this and you know how they can make something for their community and that's probably our proudest moment jen and i's is when we get that back it's like yes right. it's working working right. yeah right wow. right and for those who don't know janet McAllister, the hippie chick herself is right there she uh originally was going to do this interview but unfortunately had mouth surgery this morning uh and can't really talk for very long periods of time but she can wave and say hello <laughs> but that's janet hello, right there yeah yeah they're there she's there she's here she's here in full spirit trying to recoup before saturday as if we didn't have enough going on we decided to extract a major tooth uh four five days before a major event but you know never <laughs> well you got to do it you got to do it. if you have an infection <laughs> you'd you'd probably rather have it taken out than do the event with a big mouth infection so well, i think it's one more thing for me to say listen if we can do this with an extracted tooth and the limited availability we have you can too get off your butt and go do something because you have you're running out of excuses around me to be 100 honest you know um i understand that not everybody can do to the level and stuff we can but it's certainly you can do um, you can yeah. find it understands you and appreciates you and you can give to um nobody turns down money generally from where it comes from the more you do the more it kind of just spins the wheel and keeps the ball going around this is exhausting for us, but the day of it's like a, it's a full year's recharge for us. I mean, it's a full yeah. year's miles and just 
and I, I couldn't imagine not doing it anymore. So um, we're tickled. That's excellent. Oh, people kind of see this and see that it is possible. Now we yeah. do this um, on uh, uh, for the amount we give out. We do this on a pretty small platform. Um, and like I said, it's, 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 it's amazing what you can do when you ask and, you know, we're saying yeah. somebody can you know, and this year we're, you know, we've got custom dovetail bats. We're going to give away this year. We've got gift cards for gas groceries and oil changes, um, just to take the bear of, you know, just life off of some people. Yeah. Not to mention we've got kids toys and things that are just things that you just wouldn't you know that sometimes get lost when you're living in a low income community and whatnot. Simple little life's pleasures. Yeah. Um, so oh, absolutely. It's a great thing. Now, well, how many years have you guys been doing it? This is the fifth. This is our big fifth. That's year. what I so, thought. It's about five years. Yeah. Five years now. It's it's been amazing. This is my second full year being a part of it with Janet. Um, so and, and watching it over the last three has been just incredible. Um to think where we are now. Um down to we've got the support of the local fire department and police department they're bringing out some extra trucks and leaving them in the parking lot and doing interaction with the kids same thing with the police department um so we're we're, we're just taking we have the pine state superheroes coming so we'll have superheroes there full dress costume we had uh, a batman and a spider-man and we had uh was it wonder woman we had we had several last year and they saw the real need and they called out and i think this year we're gonna have even more um so it's it's incredible. We we really are blessed to be able to do this and kind of take our time to give some thanks back and let our community know. You know, we we, yeah. we see them. Everybody, everybody struggles. <laughs> so right, right, exactly. So I know you guys had a few businesses going on up there, um, and I know I you know I want to bring this up. You guys kind of made history this year at the Harvest Cup. And I don't think I've spoken to you both in person yet, but congratulations. Uh, the first wedding ever held at a cannabis conference, at least in New England. I don't know if they've done it on the West Coast, maybe. But at least in New England, the first ever wedding. Seven pounds of live flower over my arbor, so. Yeah. So what was that like? I mean, what made you decide to just do your wedding like that at the Harvest Cup instead of, you know, up there in Maine, you know, with all, with everybody? Um, there was a broad positioning on this one, if you really want to know the truth. One, it was an amazing opportunity for us to be with our friends and people who are close to us. It would have been real difficult to get any amount of people up to central Maine. And rather than bring everybody up to us, why not go somewhere where everybody was already going? And if you want to know, I used to be an event coordinator in my previous life. I've retired from having my own catering company. Um, so that's why I did my own wedding. Um, I, to be honest with you, it was the easiest way. I got a beautiful venue at the DCU Center for the price of a booth. And the facilitators were all people I work with, Jen and the folks who have been such a godsend to us. So I had my own team of coordinators pre-installed. The after parties were already there. Um, and then it was just, again, it was a great way to show, again, what you can do in our industry. We, we get lost sometimes in that our, our, our industry is cut and dry, that it's cannabis, cannabis, and more cannabis. Well, it, it, we forget that sometimes our plant is a flower. We forget sometimes that what we do, you know, is beautiful and has different touches to it. So to kind of bring that expression out and show it off was, was sort of key for me. Um, again, as an old event professional, it's always been my dream to be able to do a wild wonky floral display like that and build a crazy arbor and all that fun stuff. But realistically it was to kind of show the 
you know, the strength of the flower. We had so many people that had to get right up on our wedding before they even realized what was going on and how much was in there. And Lord knows you could smell me from one end of that hall, uh, convention center to the other, but hey. and when else, when else do you get to give away a hundred joints as a gift favor? Instead of rice, you're throwing joints, you know, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> giant cloud for six minutes. It was amazing. Nice. You nice. Know, I wish I could have been there. Go ahead, Lou. For me, for me, you guys keep the heart in cannabis. You know what I mean? And that's that's one of those things that I don't think anybody who's been around you, heard of you guys, seen you guys online, been, been any part of anything. You guys make sure you do keep the, the truth out there, the struggle portion of it, the family portion of it, the life portion of it. And I start to go from nothing black market to adult use or medicinal a lot of times people lose that. And that's what I think is, is something that's so needed still to this day. And you guys provide that. You know, you continue, and it comes from your community. It comes from the people around you. It's, and we really, we're, I am appreciative of it because I don't think there's any time anybody speaks your guys' names, brand, or anything that you guys do without a, a nice, uplifting tone in their voice that you're like, you know, they really care. And and then you fuck anything else. They just really care. Like, yeah, man. Damn, we, they really care. But yeah, that's a caregiver, a true blown caregiver, giving care to people in need. Um, and I started as a craftsman, as a crafter and just being in a craft position. And we have never strayed from our roots. That's who we are at the heart of our game. And that's just it. Uh, we love the craft. We love the small, intricate details. We love the people who are true to this industry and just honest, good people. There's so many out there, but we all know that there's a lot of snuff in our industry too. Um, we, when we actually, when Jane and I first got together, we we, we decided very upfront, like we're going to build our own small army of the good and the best, and that's who we're going to keep around us, and we're going to promote it such that you want to be in the good, best, and promising group. And we've been pretty successful. We're, we're happy yeah. to see shows through and what we do because, man, we give it our all. And we love this industry and we try to protect it with, you know, all the love and support it's given us, to be honest. Yeah, no. And, and now so up there, you still have the boutique, which you said has been closed because it's it's because of the hunt, right? Because of the hunt, part of the part, part weather, part Easter egg hunt. I, 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 it's easier for me to blame it on the weather than it is to blame it on the Easter egg hunt. Um, but yes, we do have a little boutique store in Central Maine and Sangerville, right off the main drag on your way to Moosehead Lake. Um, it's called the Pineapple Boutique. Um, it just sells all the wares that we love. It's a combination of our tie-dyes and CBD products and stuff we collect along the road. Some friends who are of ours who are artists make some neat boxes and monster stuff and all that good jazz. So it's a collection of the stuff that we love. We also right. have a company. We have Shakedown Dyes. Um, yeah, Shakedown. I was going to talk about you have a tie-dye company now, huh? We do. We do. Shakedown Dyes is going out with us this year. We're doing a couple of the final Grateful Dead shows. So we'll be actually on Shakedown Road doing Shakedown Dyes this summer. Um, part of my interview. Oh, yeah. nice. The last Dead show in Brooklyn. So we're we're taking it on the road and trying to do a little bit of the East Leg with, with that company. Um, of course, we have Hippie Chick Natural Solutions, which is our CBD store. It's, it's our health and wellness store with a focus on CBD, um, CBD topicals and creams. It's, we've just redone all of the packaging on everything. We have this slick new white line of labels and all these great new products 
Um, all been cleaned up really nicely. Um, we have a complete dog line now that's we're using um, fish oil and CBD mixes to uh, soup pets. Um, so that's going wonderfully. And then, of course, I'm still a caregiver. I still have the Highlands. So we're still doing boutique and craft cannabis up here. And then um, we're moving towards a shift. Uh, the moving towards the non-entheogenic form of mushrooms. So some plant medicine and mushrooms, the lion's manes, the tagas and whatnot. We're currently in the midst of sort of developing some lines and some products around that. So that'll probably be my next venture is me pumping out to the woods, collecting wild. Will wild you be mixing CBD with that? I think that might be a real nice combination of the medicinal mushroom and I'm not talking about that mushroom. I'm talking about the ones you're speaking of, lion's mane, which I take myself for, as a neurogenic. Um, and, no, yeah, and reishi. This is one of our newest ones we're working on right now. It's actually a lotion that we're working on. Um, and this is a combination of CBD and a few CBG um, also, which is, you know, super high in anti-inflammatory properties. And then a line of mushroom blend that I'm sort of working on this specifically for topical use. Mushrooms are amazingly good for fighting eczema, sensitive skin. It works amazingly as a light uh, sort of sunscreen for your body that's very natural. Um, there's a million properties. The East is sort of long pressed to catch up to the regular mushroom game. This stuff has been around in the West for centuries and been used in cosmetic products all over the world. We're just sort of the last to be finding out about it. So I'm playing yeah. over here, I'm playing, I'm playing in the woods and I'm oh, figuring out. That's to, to good. Do. And we're going to indoors and do it the same way as our cannabis. We're going to get craft with it and isolate it and make some real genuine, good homebrewed main medicine again and see how far we can get down this natural living line. So well, I think that's the next frontier. I, I believe I was talking to another guest about it. And, you know, mushrooms, fungi are like the base. If people don't understand the importance of fungi and mushrooms in the entire ecosystem, you know what I mean? They are like the endocannabinoid system of the soil, right? They have a very important uh, function in the growing process out there in nature. You know what I mean? Oh, when it, they, it, it's incredible. I have, I have, I dived in with a finger and found myself all the way up to my ears. Um, it is just a fascinating subject. Uh, there's unlocked potential out there. There's new species being discovered every day. Um, interesting things like global warming is actually bringing out mushrooms we've never seen before. Um, mushroom varieties that have lied in dormant areas, the temperature just never got quite to the temperature. So this is sort of an influx we're seeing in a new game where new species are constantly being around. Um, the breeders and stuff are really doing some really hardcore work in the back scenes, making these new mixed breeds. And I, I, we are we are standing on the tip of what I think is probably going to be the best source of sustainable biomedicine you know, that had, leaves little footprint that's completely natural. Um, and really takes just, I mean, infinitely less energy than what my cannabis does. Um, you know, so we're, we're, I'm, I'm starting to get my head wrapped around that so I can have a plethora. Cause again, as you know, with me, I, if I do a little, I want to do everything. So I want to grow some weird Thai species and go find some log toadstool in Australia that's never been grown anywhere before and start cultivating them here and seeing what we can do with some fun medicine. Um, so it's, it's, well, I would think as a trained chef, you know all the different varieties of mushroom. <laughs> I, do, I, do. 
once I surpassed my culinary abilities, you know, what I knew standardly from French culinary school and, you know, the likes, um, and got into some of the less gourmet, more medicinal ones uh, that really started to intrigue me. But yeah, I had a, I had a pretty, pretty familiar stance on both sides. Um, and this is just an, this is a really energetic form to kind of practice. And, um, I mean, I got to tell you, it's therapeutic as hell. You want to talk about a therapeutic thing? Go out and learn how to grow mushrooms. It is therapeutic. It's going to be clean. It's quiet. It's calm. Just the nature of doing it. It's very relaxing. It's been more therapeutic sometimes than the medicine I make out of the damn stuff. (laughs) Wow. You know, know, I've been hearing those type of things, and I've been actually seeing where, (laughs) pardon me, this trend is coming where it's, you know, grow your own mushrooms at a class. You spend a day learning about some of the mushroom things and shout out to uh like bay state natural medicine I actually had one yesterday i was on a i was on a call for three hours just doing the super basics of foraging you know that was pretty cool yeah i did a, i did walking class with him as well on some uh monotubbing and some stuff i'll actually be with him at the main fungi festival uh i'll go ahead and shout that out we'll be vending over at the main fungi festival this year um it's in portland in may it's a two-day seminar style, learn everything you can. Um, it's a mixed bag of sort of a, it's kind of like the harvest cup for mushrooms, to be 110% honest. There's a kid's area and play land and sort of creation land. There's a big vendor source where, you know, people will vend their products. Jen and I, of course, will be there. And then they're doing seminars and classes and after parties and dinners and the whole like. So I'll be there for the whole two-day spectrum with the Bay State Medicine guys and the green nurses and the likes. Um, so we'll all be down there cramming in some education and making some networking moves and, and doing the likes. So I highly recommend if you do have any interest or if you're in and around Portland area in May, check out the Maine Fungi Festival. When is it? Not, not, not my event, but I'm happy to promote it because it's going to be a wicked good time and loads of information. Um, they've got some amazing keynote speakers um, and everything from literally log cultivation to build your own bags to foraging to uh, Janet's taking a class on natural dyes. Apparently you can turn mushrooms into dyes. So we're going to learn how to make natural dyes for our tie dye company. Who knew? Nice. Nice. Okay. When I'll is watch. that? Do you have the dates? Yeah. May 12th, 13th, 14th. Oh, so it's coming up. It's coming right on up. I think it's May 12th through 14th. Is that Friday through Sunday? Um, Friday, they have a couple opening parties. Saturday's the bulk of the classes and whatnot. And then Sunday, they're, um, they're doing a big mushroom church style event where they're, you know, praising the almighty mushroom and doing a sort of closing ceremony session style thing. Um, it's, I'm, I'm super hip and interested. This one's going to be a fun one. So if anybody's out there, it's interested, um, classes are very reasonable. The sponsorship is very reasonable. Everything is He's he's trying to get it out there so the you know the okay, people so can, people can look that up the main fungi festival look that up yeah. on your Facebook and see uh, if they got the event out there and it comes with a tour of Northwoods uh, North uh, North Northwoods Spores uh, we have a big mushroom facility up here called Northwoods Spores it's pretty nation nationally known um, they're actually opening their facility for tours too so that's um, gonna be wow it's, wow yeah. it's gonna be well i believe mushrooms are the next big frontier and then not just psilocybin um you know like you say all the different all i don't think the medicine that we can get from mushrooms has even been explored you know the different compounds just you know i'm looking at cannabis and just over the last few years since the research has been opened up 
we've no we've found so many you know we've been able to isolate the cbn the cbg the cba the the hhc all these new cannabinoids we're finding just because now we can get in there and do the research i think the same is going to happen with mushrooms i think once we get in there start doing the research i don't know where it stands legally in maine as far as psilocybin I know Connecticut is making small steps towards it. We're 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 ways away from legalization, but we'll probably be the first ones with something like a medical program. Um, it looks like I think Maine, the activists here are looking less for a decriminalization. They've already sort of made a low priority in our state, um, but it's certainly not decriminalized. I think they went past the decriminalization and said, well, why sit in legislation for another four years? Let's go ahead and establish what a medical plan would look like and what a medical style psilocybin program would look like. So that's what we're actually hoping for. Uh, put it back in the hands of the caregivers and the people that know what they're doing, make them have some classes, make them be the ones who are trained to do it, and then leave it back in the hands of the people who can do the medicine themselves right. in the right way. Not um, big pharma. Not big pharma, man. Uh, you'll, you'll never be able to get the experience. Um, everything I do is exotics and craft. And it's never going to be what you're going to find in a store from anybody else anyways, because I specifically don't go that route. I didn't do it in my cannabis field. I will never do it in my day of mushroom yard either. Uh, again, I'm, I have interest in some funky stuff. And it will just limit the ability and the availability to people and the ability to have an option and to, um, you know, I agree. This, Another thing that's just ripe for a money grab, and I'm we're hoping that the right people can curb it off in fast enough time to where we can say, slow this thing down. Let's let this be about the medicine. Let's get this right. into the hands of the right people. And then you crazy cats can go around and have your adult parties and do whatever you want. But that's, yeah, that's never been my biggest I'm, fear, especially here in Connecticut, that big farmers going to get their hands on it. It is. It's and cannabis. Weird. I'm I'm worried they're going to get their hands on cannabis and try to take control over it. But there, there is there's some people, you know, there's hopes for a couple guys. You know, there's the solar company who owns acres and acres of, you know, solar assisted lights. They're all self-regenerative, self-sufficient. And they put out a pretty decent product across the board. He's the nicest guy. He's ethical to his community. And he grows. I, I you know, if, if he's the one who ends up putting, you know, me out of, you know, a little place. So be it. That's just the nature of big, big game, at right. Least right? And ethically um, getting the big companies out. Maine's done a good job about blocking Cura Leaf and a few of the other big, big name guys that have been unsavory, true. unsavory backwards. They've really put some hammers on them and made it more difficult for them to get product because they, they came in and asked everybody to. All right. You know, we got to get going. Uh, I just got the note. Tell us how then, we can get in touch with you real quick. Uh, We're out of time. I, oh, me. Uh, uh, yeah, you can check out our website, www.hippychickllc.com. You can check out Facebook page, Hippie Chick Natural Solutions. Um, I am at the Highlands on a ton of stuff. Um, find Hippie Chick, find my wife, you can find me. All right, and we posted up your uh, Easter egg hunt. Can people still donate if they want? Yes, absolutely. We take donations year round. Um, we are still not kind of out of, out of out of the green yet, so we still every time they, right back. They, every, 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 All right.
Thank you guys. Thanks for coming on. That's the sign. We got to go. Hippie Chick Natural Solutions. Check them out on all your social media. Uh, find out about the Easter egg hunt. That is this Saturday. Uh, and thanks again for coming on the show, Cody. Thank you, everyone. You can follow me at Joe the Weed Guy at Green Hippie Media. We will see you all next week. Take care now. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Kamora. Bye-bye. I was going to go to class before I got high. Come on, y'all. Check it out. Uh, I could have cheated and I could have passed, but I got high. Uh, uh, I'm taking it next semester and I know why. why man.